You're listening to the Union Church Podcast. For more information about Union, please visit unionboston.org. Good morning, church. All right. I have to tell you, so this is my third time preaching in this blessed place. So I have exhausted my three good sermons. <laughs> but it's not fair. Why do I have to preach always after the ensembles? <laughs> you should save the best for the last, right? No, I mean, I should preach first. Good morning, uh, it's good to be here. My name is Wee Chang. I am your district superintendent. I am your associate pastor with our bishop, your bishop, Sudarshan Adevara, with nine district superintendents and all the staffs in the conference. We are in ministry with you and five, some 580 United Methodist congregations in New England conference. So I bring greetings and appreciation from your bishop for your faithfulness, your prophetic witness, and for being a church where the Spirit is always alive. We thank you for that. When I became a pastor, or when I decided to become a pastor and went through the ordination here in this place 26 years ago, uh, I went through the ordination process in three years, and I was about to be appointed to a new church. It was not a, just a new church. It was a new church in a foreign land where I just learned speak in their tongue about less than three years in America. I was from Korea. So there were a lot of more reasons for me to be worried about whether I could be a really a pastor. But there's a one thing that I had on my side. I had a simple rule. My dad used to tell me, for a pastor, just do try to do one thing, faithfully, honestly, humbly. Try to be like Jesus as much as you can. Right? And things will work out. And that's not just for the pastors, for everybody. Those who want to follow Jesus, basically we are called to love what Jesus loves, do what Jesus did, and live like what Jesus lived like. So when I was a poor, you know, young and with broken English, and was going in there, okay, I can try with my own limitation, be like Jesus, the preacher. Great preacher. Jesus preached only two minutes and 5,000 people just got it, right? I'm still going on to perfection on that part. <laughs> Jesus, the teacher. Wasn't Jesus a great teacher? I can try to be like that. Jesus, what a friend we have in Jesus. That I can do, try to be a good friend. Jesus, the healer. I can go and comfort and pray for healing. Jesus, the prophet can tremble at it, but we can dare to be like that, as small as we can, even as small as we can. Jesus, the boundary crosser, 
Jesus, the world breaker. Jesus, the peacemaker. Jesus, the lover of all. I said, I can, I know I will never be good enough, but I can try that. And then there comes electionary readings, and one of the scripture described Jesus that I have problem being like. We meet that Jesus in today's text. Jesus, the exorcist. I still remember seeing portion of the, the movie Exorcist. I think it was the 1970s something. It was a black and white TV. Uh, and there was the clergy with a you know, priest with a collar, some garlics and some crosses. Jesus the Exorcist? Gospel of Mark was believed to be written first, closest to Jesus' life, some 30, 40 years later. It was written with the urgency that they believed that Jesus might return soon. So the Mark wanted to teach first Christians as fast and as effectively as possible what Jesus was all about. So that people can start to follow and prepare for Jesus' return. That's why it's the shortest, only 16 chapters. Even the chapters are short, with short verses. And the very first public action that Mark writes of Jesus, in the very first chapter of the shortest book and most urgent book, within 28 verses, actually within few verses after Jesus' baptism and Jesus' calling disciples, and the very first day of doing ministry is today's scripture. That's why Gospel of Mark doesn't have wonderful Christmas stories. Even today's Mark baptism story, there is no dove, no heaven opening, anything like that. It's very short. And the first day Jesus, like a good Jew, went to, on the Sabbath, to the church, synagogue. He taught with authority, says... And then the very first act was initiated, not by Jesus, but by happening. There happened to be a man, the scripture said, with unclean spirit. Another translation might say, a man possessed by demon or devil. And there, Jesus exercises. The unclean spirit out of this poor man. So to mark exorcism captured the essence of Jesus' life and mission. What God had in mind when God sent Jesus Christ. That's where my trouble begins. Exorcist? Wouldn't it be much easier to be like Jesus without stories like this? For us, wouldn't it be much more compelling and relevant to talk about Jesus without this part of life? How many of your friends would be excited? You go, do you want to know the Jesus I love? He does exorcism. Are you interested in? Can you imagine the face of your friends? Maybe you will not be invited to the next Friday's dinner, right? <laughs> or they will say, oh, there's a meetup about those who believe in exorcism. 
Can we follow Jesus without being engaged in the work of exorcism? I thought I could. That's why I dared at the first place. What does exorcism have anything to do with Jesus' mission, core mission, bringing God's kingdom on earth, bringing heaven on earth so that we can prepare for the eternal life from here and now as we pray in Lewis' prayer? See, exorcism seems to be out of touch, irrelevant, if not ignorant, right? Or shameful, should I say that? Because it doesn't seem to be in touch with our day-to-day experiences. For us who have moved beyond those days. Those days when people had no idea about science. Why people got sick. Why people act weirdly. All those things. We are a so sophisticated, advanced people. So let's leave exorcism 2,000 years ago. And that Jesus 2,000 years ago. Exorcism seems to be the thing of the earth. In other words, old. In other words, we don't feel that we are in need of exorcism in Christ Jesus, and there is no place in our world that needs exorcism of Christ. And therefore, you and I don't need to be engaged in the work of exorcism or follow Jesus as the exorcist. Will make life, my life a little easier. But Mark is putting exorcism at the very front of gospel. Clear. No exceptions. And it's not just the one time. Exorcism is the one of the main acts of Jesus. It follows almost every chapter. Why? Because exorcism first captures what Jesus was about to live and die for. First, exorcism is all about liberating persons from the powers that kept that person from living fully as a full human or God's beloved in our own terms. It says, possessed by an unclean spirit the scripture said. Possessed. It describes a condition where you don't have any control. Your body, your spirit, your life are completely taken over by this spirit, this power. You don't have any power over the power of this unclean spirit. Jesus came to liberate all of us from such powers. That's the message. Jesus came to be the power in and around us that is greater, wider, deeper than the powers of any unclean spirit. This is why Book of Acts, looking back to Jesus' life, after generations later, captures Jesus' ministry this way in Acts 10. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Whatever makes 
people feel and live in the reality of oppression need exorcism of Jesus Christ. Wow. There's an exorcist. Have you ever felt like being possessed by something that keeps you from being and living fully as a full human, as God's beloved? That controls you to choose the ways of the world, this world, instead of the way of Christ? You know, you want to live differently. You want to live like Jesus. So you willed, you will so hard only to realize you simply cannot do it, some part of it. You know, these are the part of your life. There is an inner voice in you that is saying whenever you come to the teachings of Jesus, whenever you hear some sermons, whenever you read the Bible, when you reflect on Jesus, some part of you is saying, Jesus, please leave that part of my life alone. What does that have to do with you? You heard it today too, right? That's not you. That's the voice of that unclean spirit, the spiritual power. How about the power of the past? How about the power of the past? How many of us, including myself, are possessed by that persistent power of the past? Deep disappointment, deeper helplessness, old hurts. I am in need of exorcism, of unforgiving spirit about what happened 20 years ago. I thought I moved on. I thought I prayed enough. I thought I was a good, I'm a district superintendent, right? And then it doesn't take much. One post from Facebook from that old friend just brings out that all the, all the powers of the past. And I'm quickly possessed. How about the powers of apathy, greed, addiction, self-righteousness, insecurity, hopelessness, anger, fear? How about the chronic negativity? Huh? It just, you just, you know, there are nine good things happening in you, in the life of church, or in, the line this, in your community, in your family, and somehow you go to that one thing that just, just bothers you. You open your eyes, and that's the first thing that you think of. You enter the sanctuary, that's the first thing that caught you. Friends, that's not you. That's the work of the unclean spirit. These demons are real. They are real spiritual powers as no one chooses to be like those. They take you over. How many of you this morning woke up and saying, I chose to be bitter. I chose to live in the past. I chose to be negative. I chose to be unforgiving. Good news is that Jesus came and still comes to kick such spirits out of me and you. 
All we need to do is to be in his presence and ask help. What a friend have we in Jesus. Take everything to God in prayer. See, that's what this man with unclean spirit did. It's wandering. It's wondrous. Why that man with unclean spirit was at the synagogue on that Sabbath when Jesus was there? Because at that time, a man considered to be possessed by demon or all unclean spirit was not supposed to be in the community. They were supposed to live in the cemetery. But somehow he showed up. Maybe he had it. Maybe he hit the rock bottom. You know what the oldest, one of the continuing exorcism, successful exorcism in this nation, in the world, you know what that is? It's called AA. It's called recovery. I have a privilege of witnessing their lives in my previous appointment where we had 25 recovery groups sharing our facilities. The secret of recovery is simple. Realizing that there is a power that possessed you. That you don't have any power over that power you have to seek the power that is greater than the power of addiction. But you have to come and every time, one day, five times a day, come to a meeting and first thing you have to do is what? Name that demon. And I am helpless. I need help. Together. Sounds like a church. Sounds like a church. Problem is that we leave those demons back at home. We're only trying to bring our best selves here. Jesus doesn't need that. You need to bring your demons with you here. That's what that man did. And the rest is history. As long as we bring our true selves, our struggles, our whatever possesses us, our helplessness and hopelessness to Jesus as honestly and responsibly as possible, as we seek God's presence and his power, God will do whatever God can do to free us from the powers of such unclean spirit. That's the exorcism of Jesus Christ. One day at a time, one moment at a time. We need to pray with psalmist saying, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. You should add, and kick unclean spirit out of me. The second thing that exorcism points to is that it is a symbol of Jesus' life and his lifelong struggle during his public life, especially struggle with and against the powers of his world. 
powers that be at his time, his church and his empire. See, the, this man with an unclean spirit was suffering not only from the powers of that unclean spirit, Directly, but also from the powers of his community. Those who were considered to be demon-possessed were condemned and shunned by their church and society and disowned. They lived in the cemetery. That's why there's a two chapters later, three chapters later, there's a famous story about Jesus kicking legions of demons in the cemetery, right? The powers of their world identify them with the demons that possessed them, not with God who created them at first place. Remember, they were created by all-loving, all-beautiful, almighty God long, long before they were possessed by this unclean spirit. Their true identity and essence is not the work and the possession of the unclean spirit, but the beautiful creation Beautiful breath and the image of God that is in them. No matter how covered and distorted by this spirit. Their church condemned them and their society cursed them. They refused to see them as God's precious children. To whom they are called to love and love only. It is interesting that Mark is recording this story of exorcism in the context of confrontation and fight between Jesus and the unclean spirit. If you pay attention to it, a man is silent. His church, his people, his community only heard him, not the spirit. Jesus is going right to the powers that be. Throughout his ministry, Jesus had to confront the powers of his church and his society that divided people into categories. Divided people into the good and the evil, the clean and the unclean, the worthy or unworthy, righteous or sinful, good or bad, and try to keep those who are different and struggling Outside of God's love. It was not this man in this story. But his church and his society that were possessed by the unclean spirit of judgmental religion and oppressive power. Here, the synagogue was possessed. The empire was possessed. And that was what Jesus was doing, not just in actual exorcism, but in all his struggles. When Jesus was turning over the money changers' table and confronting the religious and political leaders of the time, when he was in sharp dispute with Pharisees and Sadducees, when he touched that leper, when he chose to do healings on the Sabbath, like today, you know, I always wondered, I always wondered, the direct cause of Jesus, you know, being captured and people start trying to kill him was when Jesus healed 
a man with withered hand on the Sabbath. They say, you should not work on the Sabbath. And this man with withered hand lived with that condition for decades, right? Why couldn't Jesus wait three hours so the Sabbath would pass? And had Jesus healed on the day after Sabbath, everybody would say, praise the Lord, praise Jesus. Three hours? He couldn't wait three hours? Because Jesus had to exercise the powers of his church, his dogmas. That's why he chose to do that on the Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus was not only healing the man, crippled man, or a man with unclean spirit. Jesus was trying to reform and transform his own church, yeah. brothers and sisters. When he intentionally detoured to be in the Samaritan territory, when he crossed to the other side to reach the Gentiles, when he stood before Pilate with truth, when he was on the cross as an innocent child of God, Jesus was in the business of exorcism. Jesus was trying to kick the unclean spirits of his church and his time. He was fighting against the spiritual forces that took his religion and his society over to turn God from loving, loving parents into a tyrant who sore out and curse and condemn people. No wonder why St. Paul captures the work of exorcism this way. In Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh. Our struggle is not about the man with unclean spirit, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of, of evil in the heavenly places. Are uh, there still powers that try to make people divided, yes. categorized, yes. degraded, yes. dehumanized, yes. be lynched and murdered? Yes. Isn't the church, churches of our time, or should I dare to say, my beloved United Methodist Church, possessed by the unclean spirit of self-righteousness and judgmental and exclusive dogmas and institutional preservations, doesn't our nation seem to be possessed? It's painfully, painfully possessed. By the demonic powers of crony capitalism, of white supremacy and xenophobia, racism and sexism, is now whole world possessed by all the isms that dehumanizes and endanger God's children and God's creation? 
Don't our world seem to be possessed by the deadly spirits of domination and militarism? It's not just you and me. But our world needs an exorcism. When yesterday, this weekend, the Friday, millions of people showed up on the streets throughout the corners of the world, led by young people, to join Jesus in the exorcism of our world, insatiable taste for growth, growth, growth at all expense, especially creation's expense, fighting climate change. They were not just protesting. They were kicking the unspirit, uh, the unclean spirits out of this suffering and sighing world and creation. The life and teachings of Jesus still confronts the unclean spirits of our time and our powers and challenges the demonic powers of violence domination and war. Jesus is still casting out demons out of you and me, out of this church, every church, and out of our denomination, out of all God's church, and out of all God's creation. Friends, this morning, whatever you feel that has possessed you to be less than what God has created and loved and saved and redeemed and transformed you to be. Jesus wants to kick that out of you. You will be that much lighter this morning. That's why we need Jesus, the exorcist. Still and always. But more importantly, Jesus has no problem continuing the work of exorcism. He still does. More importantly, this is why exorcism is still the very important and essential work for all who want to follow Jesus, including you and me, and all church of God. How, the, how does union engage in the exorcism of Christ these days? That's the question that Jesus would come and ask. Do you need an exorcism today? Do you love Jesus the exorcist? Do you know that God has called you to be an exorcist? You don't need the garlic. You don't need any special power. Just follow Jesus. For that gift of exorcism, excellent. I remember that song last time I was here. You were singing, excellent Jesus. That excellent exorcism. Thanks be to God.
you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Union Church, please visit unionboston.org.